want to, we can leave your friends behind. Cause your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. I said, we can go where we want to, place where they will never find. And we can act like we come from out of this world, leave the real one far behind. The night is young and so am I And we can dress real neat from our hats to our feet And surprise them with a victory cry I said, we can act if we want to If we don't, nobody will And you can act real rude and totally removed And I can act like an imbecile Say, we can dance, we can dance Everything's under control We can dance, we can dance Doing it wall to wall We can dance, we can dance Everybody look at your hands We can dance, we can dance Everybody's taking a chance Who's to save the dance? Who has to save the dance? Who has to save the dance? Who has to save the dance? We are the ones who don't know what we're fighting for Give us a gun and send us all off to war. From a badge so they could send us to the moon.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I'm No Joe, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel like Ben Bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, that means we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday, it's I'm No Joe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, I have got a glorious panel here with me to break down and get into all the shit-talking and shenaniganry that has fallen through the combat sports world since we saw you fine folks last, and then get into... Well, it's a pay-per-view card, we'll call it that, but we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get there later on. Uh, first and foremost, though, uh, gentlemen, how the hell are you doing this fine evening? Doing pretty good. Having a good one. Hope you guys are doing good. <clears throat> oh, another lovely week. We've got a card to talk about with maybe two decent fights on it worth my while. Oh, it's, you know, it's something. We got something. It's better than nothing. As I said, it's it's a card. It's a pay per view card. So, but uh, we'll we'll definitely get more into that uh, as we get a little bit further through the show, though. Uh, as we like to do around here, though, first and foremost, we're going to kick things off with a little bit of news and recent events. Uh, now, surprisingly enough, the the news tree in the combat sports world this past week has actually been fairly quiet as compared to recently over the last couple of weeks we have gotten just fucking rainstorms of news stories dropping all over the goddamn place not so much this last week it wasn't as many stories but the stories we got i feel maybe a little bit bigger than the the sprinkling of news we've had recently uh first and foremost probably the biggest news in ufc uh it's official conor mcgregor and michael chandler will be coaching the ultimate fighter this summer and then fighting some point later on in the year. Conor McGregor makes his return to the UFC after the leg off leg layoff, excuse me, and he comes back to take on Michael Chandler as a tough coach. I'm I'm very I'm very torn on this. Uh on one hand, McGregor is probably arguably one of the most entertaining coaches in the history of the Ultimate Fighter show. On the other hand, this, the Ultimate Fighter isn't what it was when he was helping make it so goddamn popular. It, it's literally stuck in the rut. I don't think they've even changed the fucking colors on the walls in the tough house since McGregor was there coaching 15 fucking seasons ago or whatever it was now. Um, the format's still the same. And at this point, honestly, uh, like Jed Mishu was talking about yesterday, the UFC is pushing contender series fighters more than they ever pushed anyone from the ultimate fighter house winners or losers at this point. So 
it almost just isn't there value wise for fighters to go through the ultimate fighter house anymore unless and and i say that to say this unless the the murmurs in the background of the fight world turn out to be true because we already know uh mcgregor is trying to get this to come back at 170 he doesn't want to go back to 155 pounds at least not right now not without a title shot on the line chandler could give a fuck less either way but what the rumors kind of swirling around in the background are right now is that ufc for all its shortcomings understands that tough needs a very bad revitalization if they're going to bring it back and make it successful enough to warrant putting mcgregor back on there because his name alone will not make it magically i say in air quotes popular and, and what it wasn't a tayday anymore but if they're going to do it the way that the murmurs are saying that they're going to do it in that it's not so much going to be a second chance kind of season, but they're going to do what we've been saying as fans for a long time they should do. They're going to make it one side, presumably Michael Chandler, new prospects trying to make their way into the UFC, and then the other side, presumably the McGregor team, second chance UFC stars trying to make their way back in guys that had an O and three run an O and two run somebody that got hurt and then just got released from their contract that McGregor is going to be in his own resurgence coming back into the UFC coaching other fellow fighters on how to do that but just other fighters who have been cut for whatever reason or been released for whatever reason that I think might actually make it a little more entertaining because the concept of tough being the exact same it has been for 15 fucking years is isn't that exciting as much as i love it i love tough more than a contender series it just it's stale and that's that's all there is to it but if they're going to use this as a season to give some second chance ufc fighters a way to get back in and let mcgregor have that team against chandler working with a bunch of newbies trying to make their way in I'm not going to say that's going to fix it, but that'll make it a hell of a lot more interesting in my opinion. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because for me, I, you know, I always love watching the contender series, building a fighter, shit like that, where, you know, some prospects are trying to work their way in. I, I like rooting for the underdog. and like I just like seeing the stories and the buildup for some of those people. You know, that's for me where some stars can be made, people that have right. the right personality. Um, I've loved watching the Ultimate Fighter since I was a kid. So I'm always excited about it. When I heard this news, Connor versus Chandler, I, I was fucking, I, I was over the moon because I like the fight in general. I know we were talking about this, what, last week a little bit together. Fucking, you guys didn't like the fight because you, you know, like Chandler the same way. I just like Chandler because he's from fucking Missouri, right? I'm always soft for the hometown guys kind of thing. And he goes out there and, you know, he, he throws it, you know. He tries. That's the best thing, you know. He gets into fights. <laughs> <clears throat> so you know this one will be exciting. Um, I don't like that they're trying to build it up to give Connor the championship shot. But what right. you said, man, that'll be perfect. Like, I would love it no matter what. But for them to do what we have been hearing, like they maybe will do, like some second chance guys versus young up and comers, so you get both of it. That's fantastic because then you're going to see uh, like 
I, I wrote I wrote a little bit of note down for that. You know, I was going to talk about it later myself if we didn't touch on it. You, you got like Devonte Smith, Dakota Bush. They just released Francisco Figueredo. You know, we don't know what weight classes they're going to go for. Right. But there's a lot of good guys that have been trying to work their way back. This is a good option. Like Dakota Bush was the first one I thought about. Right. This is the thing you do, right? You you put him on the Ultimate Fighter shit or whatever. You try to see what kind of personality he really has, so maybe some yeah. other people can actually you know become a fan of him, and then yeah, you go like through a fucking tournament. Him. You go through a tournament, come out on the other side, then you yeah. kind of deserve a second chance. Yeah, because they like touched it. on it a little bit on uh, MMA fighting this afternoon. Uh, even said said you'd Manoff. Uh, one of the highest fucking European prospects to get brought in went two and one in the UFC and they cut him after his fucking first loss and not even like in one of the rounds, just in seemingly random timing between other little fights. That dude showed a whole lot of potential and for a decision loss to get him chopped out. That, that seems a little bit odd. And then a guy like that, who's clearly got a personality and took immediately went to social media to start talking about that yesterday when he got his release. That's exactly the kind of guy like a Devonte Smith or like a, a figgy, biggie, figgy smalls trying to get their way back in guys that got just that little taste and then aren't there for any, for whatever reason anymore. It could make it interesting. I, yeah, I don't think it's a magic bullet. I don't really think it's going to fix everything. Those but three guys specifically, I feel like, have that personality aspect and they're good fighters so i mean right there's a lot yeah, none of them had, none of them had horrible records the ufc there's a lot there's a lot of people in the ufc that shouldn't be there they're just there to get somebody else a win or get somebody else over and i mean they always throw Look that out event. we, we, we want the, the best of the best we want the Derek best, is on, best what? They, they, is they Lewis on a six fight streak now five fight losing streak or six fight losing streak now all main events almost all knockouts and he's still there and dana white said specifically he's not going anywhere but you get guys like this that you know two and one they get one fucking loss and the ufc cuts them and they're probably on like a 15 and 15 contract to begin with so it's not like it's a money issue no it i think this this could be this could be the angle to get people interested in it again at least i hope so um but We'll definitely see as we get a little closer to the summer. Uh, apparently, after everything finishes up in Australia and all the execs get back to Las Vegas, they're going to work out the details on weight classes and the date for McGregor potentially to fight Chandler and everything to be finalized. And we're supposed to get an announcement next week. So I'm sure we will follow up when we get that information. Um That'll bring us to an interesting one here. Uh, next weekend's UFC Vegas 69. <laughs> nice. Uh, headlined by Tyler Santos and Aaron Blanchfield, which is an interesting choice for a main event. Uh, but one of the fights that a lot of us were kind of worried about hanging in the wings has officially been calmed down. It has been confirmed. They are back in action. Uh, the Warthog is not hanging on the sidelines after all. We did get official word just this afternoon that despite his previous opponent pulling out, Jim Miller is still going to be on the card next weekend, taking on Alexander Hernandez on a week's notice. So uh, I, I don't know if it's I, I don't want to say it's a better match 
matchup than the original fight, but it's a better matchup than the original fight. Um, I think I'm fucking here for it though. I I love anytime the fucking the Warthog is in there. Anytime A10 gets to drop fucking bombs, I'm always fucking excited. And the fact that they were worried that they weren't going to be able to find somebody for him last minute, and then Alexander Hernandez popped up. Okay. Hernandez definitely needs to put on a good showing one way or another anyway. So I think that'll be a good target practice for uh for the Warthog to run through. I think the hardest fight that the Warthog had ahead of him was um trying to fight off his wife making him get a haircut. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just saying that keeping the goats out of his Jeep. <laughs> I'm just saying when you gotta put up a poll to see what you should do about the haircut situation, yeah. there's issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was a rough one. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of replacement fighters, though, oh shit, um, we got interesting news for UFC 285 cracking down in Vegas on March 4th. Uh, after the Ronnie Yaya pullout, we now get official word today that Cody Garbrandt is staying on the card and will now be fighting Trevin Jones at UFC 285. Uh, not quite the same grappling and wrestling prowess that uh, Ronnie Yaya was definitely going to fucking present, but still a fairly interesting matchup. And at this point, I feel probably about what you know Cody deserves. Uh, he doesn't need to be fighting fucking top five guys. Trevin Jones is a good enough name for the mean for the meanwhile. I think. Uh, that being said, uh, as if the UFC hadn't been scheduling things strange enough this year. We only got two cards in January, but we're getting two pay-per-views in March, UFC 285 on March 4th, and then UFC 286 on March 18th from London. Uh, We now officially have word that the final card in March, the UFC, I think it's going to be Vegas 72, uh, is going to be headlined by none other than Corey Sandhagen and Marlon Vera. Um, that fight is pretty fucking exciting. That card also has Bruce Leroy versus the Nate Train, Nate Landwehr on it, Macy Varver versus Andrea Lee, and Holly Holm versus Yana Kunitskaya on it. So that fight night card is definitely better than the fight night card we've got coming up next week for damn sure. But all in all, I like the way they're stacking that one up. And this one is also going to be one of the first... Uh, fight nights out and about again this one is going to be taking place at at&t center in san antonio texas so that's the only reason this makes sense why they moved the fight because we were supposed to get cheeto and Corey next weekend yeah this was going to be the next week's card correct and they moved it understandably because it's a huge fight and deserves a crowd more than deserves to be in the apex but then next weekend's crap like I, I mean, I like the ladies' fight. I am somewhat interested in the Santos and Blanchfield fight. Everything else, don't care about now. We were going to get that fight still, and then we we're going to have a good main event. We've right. been a decent hangover, like for once, a decent hangover. Still hangover, but now no. fuck it, like always. Because <laughs> yeah. could have just originally scheduled this next weekend somewhere else instead of having to do everything at the apex. You can just oh, everything right. that's not a pay per view go somewhere around the country and sell tickets. They don't want at this point, I would rather be hungover from drinking than deal with the hangover cards we're getting from the UFC because they're fucking piss poor lately. 
getting rough, man. It's getting real rough. But luckily, uh, the UFC still has some interesting fights lined up for us in some of them. So I agree. Uh, it's a little infuriating that we're going to have to sit through an extra shitty card next weekend, but at least the end of March is going to start looking up. Probably not. Uh, but uh, that being said, <laughs> um, <clears throat> speaking of coming off of the sidelines, McGregor's not the only one stepping out of the shadows this summer. We got official confirmation that Michael Chiesa is officially getting back into the swing of things at UFC 287 April 8th, stepping in against the leech, Li Jingliang. Uh that I think is a spectacular fucking matchup. Both guys have pretty damn good hands. Both guys have great fucking wrestling. Both guys have good jujitsu threats. Uh, and both guys could really use a real good win right now. So I'm fucking here for it, man. Anytime the leech gets a chance to go out there and show what he's fucking capable of, I'm always fucking happy. Kies is rarely in a boring fight, generally controversial, but rarely ever boring. So uh, I'm okay with it. I'll take it. Yeah, well, I mean, we could all tell that Kiesa is going to be controversial from the second he went into the Ultimate Fighter House till the right. fucking current day. I mean, yeah, I was like, still going. Yep. I and to his credit, he went through some shit that most people may have pulled out of that same situation Absolutely. and Absolutely. pushed through. So good on him, but that's a tough matchup for both of them. And to be quite honest, if either one of them handily handles the other. That's going to be that W that both of them need. Because right now, the leech has been, he, well, he got screwed in his last fight out. And we know that. But I, for some odd reason, I, I, as much as I hate to say it, I like Kiesa. But the leech is fucking due. He's yeah. way past due at this point because he's gotten fucked six ways from Sunday lately. And it's time. Yeah. And, I, and even, even that, I still think there's a possibility that Kies can put on a great performance here. I just feel like I think it, when it comes down to crunching the hard numbers, I think the leech has got it. I think the leech has got the edge here, or at least on paper should have the edge from what we've seen him capable of, especially with Kies on the sideline doing more analyzing than training lately. Um, but we'll, we'll see. That's definitely one that I'm telling you right now, you folks are going to want to pay attention to when it actually cracks loose. Uh, that being said, um, we got some other interesting news about UFC 287. It is officially got a location, finally. Uh, for the longest time, we just knew that it was going to be uh, Adesanya Pereira 2. Uh, now we know that it's Adesanya Pereira 2, Masvidal versus Burns. Also, Kiesa versus The Leech. And it's going down in Miami. So, April 8th seems like they're really... I, I know they don't want to say that they are, but this is very much a favoring Masvidal situation here. And he really, really needs the fucking edge. So we'll see. We'll see how it actually shakes loose though. What I want to know is since it's going to be in Miami, what are the chances that we see Crybaby bitch boy in the audience? Probably pretty good. I'm, I think honestly, I'm more curious since it's in Miami, are they going to go ahead and put that BMF title on the line since Jorge can literally just bring it from his house? He already said no. He's like, no, nah, they're not paying me. They didn't offer me BMF money, so it's not going up. And look, I'm not mad at him. This... Uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. 
that was a one-off thing. If you're going to put it up there, they better pay you like it then, too. Yeah, no, I, to be honest, I don't think we're going to see him at all. Um, I, I think he's hiding until after all the legal shit plays through. I don't think we'll see him fight at all this year because i um, guessing with the legal team that Masvidal has behind him, that shit's going to get pushed out and pushed out and pushed out and eventually right. slap on the wrist and call it a day. Well, and, and even last week, Dana said himself that they've offered Colby two fights as of right now, and he's turned them both down. Didn't say why, because they don't disclose. I say in air quotes for those of you just listening, they don't disclose those reasons, but they said they have offered Colby fights, and he has turned down fights at this point. So, honestly, well, yeah. I think either Colby's going to have to figure out what fight makes sense for him to come back because if he denies another one, they can just release him and let him go into the fucking wind and go bring his bullshit elsewhere and be done with him, which would be great for the UFC to go free and clear him that easily. The thing to kicker with him is if he fights, that's going to fuck up his whole lawsuit of, oh, I'm permanently injured. Brain damage from getting sucker punched. Yeah, no. All right, bitch. Dude, you took you've taken worse beatings than that one fucking shot right. and walked away. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's gonna be really interesting to see how it shakes loose though. So we will definitely be paying attention ringside, if nothing else, because that Miami card certainly has potential for fuckery in the crowds for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh that being said, we got a, a couple interesting ones. We got a trio of interesting announcements this afternoon here um the first one for the uh vegas 69 card next weekend uh another pair of ladies going at it the uh elbow queen lena landsberg herself taking on myra buena silva more ladies on the 69 card how can that go wrong um but that being said uh we got an announcement here for the 287 card last minute announcement i'm not really happy with the announcement itself but i feel like the fight is going to play out and kind of correct things so i am still willing to talk about it um gerald mearshart is getting matched up with fucking joe pfeiffer I'm so fucking done hearing about Joe Piper and his fucking story about being homeless. There's so many other fucking fighters. There's so many other people in general who have been through the same fucking situation and don't make that their entire fucking personality that I'm, I'm done. I'm fucking tired of hearing to be Joe Piper bullshit. And I hope that GM three chokes the bullshit out of this motherfucker. I really, really do. The 287 card is looking good to begin with, but I hope that GM three shuts this motherfucker up for us. Please, please, Gerald. God damn. Um, we'll see. But the big one, the biggest announcement, uh, I don't know how I'd say biggest, I would say biggest in terms of potential divisional impact. Uh, Brian Boom Boom Kelleher taking on probably his toughest and potential last UFC fight to date, uh, Journey Newsom. Uh, Journey's been tearing through some shit lately, pretty fucking wild. Brian Kelleher is on a hell of a fucking downward skid and really needs to get his head out of his ass and hasn't seemed to be able to figure out how to do it. He's already under 500 at this point. If Journey Newsom takes his ass out, we might see Kelleher catch walking papers at the end of next month. So it'll be very interesting. Um, the only official 
controversial, I should say, thing that Newsom has had in the last three years was an overturned fight to a no contest for marijuana before the UFC changed their regulations. Newsom was one of the last to get caught under the fucking THC ban before they started changing their rules. So even then, it was a fight that he clearly had no fucking issues handling physically. It was just the bullshit politics that caught him on that one. So I think... With everything going on, Newsom might be the dude to send Kelleher on his fucking way, and I'm I'm fucking happy about that potentially. <laughs> um, we did get a very very interesting piece of news this week. It's a question that has long been asked in circles in the UFC community. At one point, we thought we knew the answer to it, and it turns out we were all wrong. But we're getting another chance to take a swing at things and figure out the answer to the proverbial UFC question. Where does Kevin Lee fit into all of this? Turns out, back in the UFC again. The UFC has officially re-signed Kevin Lee literally one year and one day after releasing him from his UFC contract back to the lightweight division once again. I, I, I don't see what it is that Dana and Mick Maynard see in Kevin Lee. I wish I did. I hope He's just going to come in, kick ass, and take names this time and not put any of the bullshit back out for us. But it's Kevin Lee, so I got to expect there's going to be some bullshit. But I believe this is his third stint with the UFC now, all said and done. And I, I honestly don't understand it. Like, his last run wasn't that fucking great, and he literally has done nothing in the one year he has been off since they released him. So it's it's a little confusing, to say the least. But... I'm hoping it lit a fire under his ass. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully that boy has got a jet attached to his rectum now and he's ready to just fucking go. But based on past experience, I am so fucking highly skeptical. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Uh, Dana White even took a picture with Kevin Lee to announce that he had officially re-signed him, which is leaps and bounds progress from the relationship those two have had for the last couple of years at the very least. So um, I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out. I don't think this is going to be what Kevin thinks it was, but I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Especially now with, with Kevin's brother, you know, the new international celebrity that he is on TikTok food critics. Well, you know, at least now we might find out where Kevin Lee fits into all of this. Exactly. That's that's my hope. Fingers crossed. Now we can find out where the fuck Kevin Lee fits in. <laughs> oh, that being said, though, um, we got a very unique, I think that's the right word for it, a very unique announcement this week. Um, April 1st, as if... There could have been any other date to host this event. Jorge Masvidal's Game Bread Boxing event number four will be taking place at the Fizzerb Forum in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
with an interesting lineup of boxing matches. Um, all but the main event being six round matches, the main event being an eight round matchup. Um, Dylan Kleckler versus Josh Burns, failed BKFC Walrus Slap Fighters. Paul Daly versus Anthony Taylor, a has been MMA fighter and a controversial almost boxer. Pearl Gonzalez versus Gina Mazzani. Interesting matchup. Uh, boxing. So grappling or uh, MMA ladies now in the sweet science of it. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens, which is extremely interesting considering that Jose makes his professional boxing debut this weekend in Rio. Um, and is then scheduled to turn around and box again on April 1st against Jeremy Stevens. I don't think it's anything Jose would have to worry about, but just interesting to see him staying that busy in the boxing world right away. The co-main event, Vitor Belfort versus Jacare Souza. And then the main event, which is, in my opinion, the least sensical but still most interesting matchup on the entire card, Anthony Showtime Pettis versus Roy Jones Jr. Now, how those two are going to find a catch weight that is even remotely amicably close to both of their actual weights, I am very curious about because last I checked, Pettis was a 55er who has fought at 70 and Roy Jones Jr. just boxed Mike fucking Tyson a year ago at heavyweight. That's a slight weight discrepancy. Last I looked at the numbers, but I'm, you know, I'm sure Jorge Masvidal is all about numbers and doing the math. We'll see. Oh, he's doing math. Um, all right. His pockets are going to be lying thick for that. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it, it's an interesting lineup to be damn sure. But the fact that they've got it set and there's legitimate names on it, uh, I'm going to be paying attention. I'm, I'm going to be watching uh, at least the highlights if I don't watch the whole damn thing. If it actually takes place, though, because it's on fucking April Fool's Day. So if anyone was the type of asshole to quote-unquote book a huge event and fill it with big names just to be like, ha-ha, you fucking morons. Jorge Masvidal's that kind of an asshole. So, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm treating this event the same way I'm treating John Jones versus Cyril Gone. I'll believe it's going to happen when the cage door closes and it actually starts. Until then, it's just a fun announcement for me. <laughs> um... That being said, we got a pair of not quite as fun announcements, but still very much important to talk about here. Um, the first one, fucking beyond disheartening, and ironically, as is so often the fucking case, shook down the pipeline shortly after we ended the show last week. I don't remember if it was Thursday evening or Friday morning, but it was, I think it might have been Thursday evening. If not, it was early Friday morning, but... One of, at least here at the show, and I know for a lot of MMA journalists, one of the most exciting young prospects in the UFC and just in MMA in general, uh, former Egyptian Olympian Hamdi Abdelawab, 
has now officially been suspended for two years by USADA for fucking popping hot. Uh, let me see if we got. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but I'm going to try it anyway. Metanoline uh, metabolite is what he tested positive for from his first UFC debut. Um, they did check two other backup samples and all samples did confirm the same metabolite, virtually eliminating any possibility. This was a fluke. Um <sighs> And that sucks. That fucking sucks. Aside from just the the possibility of what Hamdi as an Olympian and as an Egyptian and a heavyweight genuine athlete could have done for the UFC, the fact that we're in 2023 and we've still got guys at this high of a level being dumb enough to get popped for fucking metabolites, like, uh, it genuinely makes me wonder why we don't have a large promotion like pride in today's current era clearly there is a market and a a want to use steroids in combat sports there is obviously a market to watch it because things like fight circus fucking exist things like ryzen clearly exist they just don't know what they're doing and can't seem to do, tell the difference from their head and their ass uh, but there is clearly a market of people who will watch giant roided out motherfuckers beat the shit out of each other. There is clearly no shortage of dudes who are willing to get jacked as fuck on all the Jews and go in there and fucking, you know, essentially pro wrestle for real. So I don't understand, honestly, why one of these fucking promotions hasn't just given themselves a pride-esque fucking contract that just says, we will not test. You don't have to say anything other than that. That's exactly how Pride did it. Just say, we will not test for anything. Be prepared of your own cognizance to come to the fight and let them go. Create the super heavyweight division. Unleash the Kraken. Yeah, that one, when I saw that one, I was pretty fucking bummed because that, that whole first legitimate looking contender from Egypt and to find out later down the road, maybe he wasn't so legitimate after all. And being as he was a big, he's a big fucking boy, former Olympic athlete. Why the fuck did you need to juice? You couldn't juice in the Olympics. And that's the thing is that him getting popped now, as soon as he came out of the Olympics and went into the UFC is going to immediately call into question everything he did in the Olympics. And I bet you the fucking Watt is going to go back and start double checking all of his fucking competition samples from any Olympics now. And you know, like, you I just wanna... compromised your entire legacy and your potential career and livelihood, you know, and you want to give him the benefit of the doubt and go like, Oh, you had some tainted shit, but if it was in all three samples at the same level, yeah, it's not a across issue. the board. That's a fucking, you were knowingly You're taking fucking... the shit. And yeah. Oh, let's say it was tainted samples where he was been taking sam or tainted fucking supplements. Excuse me. If he's been taking the same fucking thing forever, guess what? You need to turn that shit in. Let him test it. Get your suspension reduced to like six fucking months, right. and pray to God the UFC keeps you on the roster or brings you back on at that point. Yeah, because this is absolutely one of those situations that's enough of a black eye for the UFC. Ironically enough, that they would turn around and be like, as much as we invested in you, this is how it turned out. 
cut him right fucking loose, regardless of how this fucking plays out. So yeah. and two years at heavyweight away, that's a long yeah. fucking time. Oh, yeah. I can see that maybe a bantamweight or some 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 of the little right. guys, but a heavyweight, fuck no. Those there's a look, there's a shelf life at heavyweight that is a lot shorter than those guys at the smaller weights. Just the way it works. Yeah, and uh, and he's yeah, he's thirty years old. Like heavyweights don't fight yours. Badass fucking retirement fight last weekend. Heavyweights don't fight late into their fucking forties. Heavyweights generally don't see forty in the fucking cage, especially yeah. when you're just getting your start into the fucking combat world in your late 20s, early 30s, like, you're starting at your prime. You don't have time to fuck around, literally. So, this this could definitely be an entire waste of a career for fucking around, man, and that's a sad thing to fucking see, in my opinion. Threw away some massive fucking paychecks, potentially. Not even just the paychecks, but the, the doors that he could have opened. Like, it, it's so much bigger than him at this point, even, which really sucks. But, you know, as, as a, a guy I know says, play stupid games, you'll win stupid prizes. Uh, that being said, though, um, I, I couldn't completely end the news this week on a, a full sour note. We did get, in my opinion, one of the best pieces of news we have gotten in the combat sports world in recent memory at the very least um the association of boxing commissions and combative sports the abc that we talk about the guys the actual ruling commission who has any authority over the athletic commissions over the referees over the other governing combat bodies have decided that they are going to officially create a fighters committee called the athletes voice committee to not only help better, uh, excuse me, to help fighters better understand the actual rules of scoring, because there have been so many impactful, controversial scored fights lately, but also to turn that back around the other direction and to give fighters an actual voice to some type of change getting brought to the commissions, whereas right now, most fighters don't have access to the state athletic commissions to make any kind of significant opinion voicing or give any kind of input. This will directly fix that. This will force those commissions to have to accept new input from fighters and fighter related people. Um, the big three that they announced that were starting on this voice of the athletes committee. Um, where'd we go? Shit. I just lost it. Hang on. There we go. Randy Couture, which you couldn't fucking ask for a better voice, in my opinion, than that one. Uh, former UFC welterweight champion, Carlos Newton. Big name. I'm a little sketchier on him because he hasn't fought in 20 years, literally. But the third one, the biggest one, the one I feel is going to be the most impactful in this, Dean Thomas. Not only has Dean Thomas fought 
He's also probably the most go-to UFC analyst that they have right now. And he is directly involved in fights every fucking week all over the planet, knows the rules unified and non-unified enough to where they call him in on questionable reviews for his input. So for the, the ABC to understand how fucking intelligent and how insightful Dean Thomas is in that aspect of it, to bring him into this athlete's voice committee and try and get some genuine good change done from the top down forcibly now that that's how they got to do it. I'm all fucking for it, man. I think Dean Thomas of anyone, I think Randy's a great fucking name to have there, but I think Dean is the most relevant because of how fucking involved he is literally hands-on every goddamn week. You know, it's ironic when you look across sports, specifically MMA and football, that two of the most knowledgeable with rule sets are both deans, Dean Thomas and Dean Blandino. Just Absolutely. saying, there's something going on in the water with the fucking name of Dean. Maybe I should have named my <laughs> kid Dean. Maybe he might have ended up in right. one of those positions. But fuck, it, that's a great person to have in that fucking spot. You couldn't ask for better because he knows the ins, the outs. Fucking, he knows the game from top to bottom. And then you're pairing him with two fucking legends. Brandy's fucking natural. Goddamn. That right there, that name carries so much fucking weight, so much right. knowledge. He still trains people at his age. Yeah. Who else would you want to be having in that other than a guy who tries to roll out a fucking heart attack? Yeah, no shit, right? Anything that's tough enough to try roller, and take a we'll fucking roll roller to a fucking right heart attack? Yeah, that's a tough motherfucker oh, right there. He said with Newsom, that's a kind of a... I mean, yeah, former champ. Give you that. But been away. He's been away. He hasn't been in direct limelight of the sport in a long fucking time. I looked it up this afternoon because I was having this conversation with somebody else this afternoon. Carlos Newton's last fight was in September of two thousand, or excuse me, in August of two thousand four. His last UFC fight was September two thousand and three. He hasn't been in the cage in nineteen years. He hasn't fought in the UFC in almost exactly twenty years. He was a champion. He had some fucking notable monster fights. He definitely has a fighter perspective, but it's it's an interesting choice, I would say, to take a 20-year removed champion and bring him in for a fighter's voice. Granted, I also get it on the other side of that, because when he was fighting, there was some wild fucking shit going on. So Yeah, there was still crazy shit back then, 20 years ago, for damn I mean, sure. <laughs> it makes sense you want somebody who's dealt with the wild shit in there as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, right. Randy Couture was in around that time as well, but you know, I mean, who knows? What they have there, that's a good solid start. We'll, we'll give them that. Right. No, I get it. But the only other thing I've got for news that I'll end the news segment with, like I do every week, and I will every week until we get some type of fucking meaningful resolution, is that once again, we have gone another week where we have seen promotions for Dana White's Power Slap League on TBS and yet to see any punishment for Dana White power slapping his wife New Year's Eve in Cabo San Lucas. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to keep talking about it until someone gives him some type of actual meaningful fucking repercussions because saying I have to live with this isn't a fucking punishment. That being said, though, 
any interesting news stories any of you gentlemen might have caught this week that I didn't talk about today? Yeah, you got a couple little tidbits. One that's not fighting related. Patrick Mahomes won the MVP. So let's go for the Chiefs. Um, some sucky news. I heard Nate Wood, you know, Nathaniel Wood and uh, Dan Hooker, they're out of their fights coming up. <clears throat> Dan Hooker was supposed to fight Jalen Turner. I guess he, they're trying to keep him on the card, but don't have a replacement. Yeah. Nate Wood was supposed to fight Ron Murphy, and that fight's just scrapped. So, yeah, the, um, the picture that Nathaniel Wood posted of his fucking knee with that fucking smiley face cut all the way across that shit from quote unquote hitting some wood trim in training. I skeptical face is skeptical on that one. Well, but. I saw the day on his Instagram. He showed the video of it. Of him trying to get the takedown and everything taking the fall, so I, he tried posting know. the proof of how it happened. I guess. Right? Yeah, I, but hey, uh, good for posting receipts. I don't know if I want to watch it, but <laughs> better two better pieces, right? Uh, one commentary normally not so good, right? I know you guys don't want to listen to it. Well, DC and Rogan won't be there this time around. Instead, it's going to be the other DC. It's going to be Dominic Cruz. Michael Bisping tagging along with John Anik like normal. So I actually like that. Yeah, Dominic Cruz, I actually like listening to him commentate the fights. Michael Bisping gives you that little bit of a funny laugh, you know, a little better than DC, in my opinion. So it still keeps it light, but it's going to be a better commentary team this weekend. Excited about that. And then, yeah, I had to, right? Because we're fucking from Kansas City. UFC's coming back to Kansas City in just a few months, and I fucking love every last little bit of it. Biggest reason why, we're getting blessed beyond belief. Hell yeah. Yeah, Main April 15th is South officially now too. UFC Kansas City headline by Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen. Yeah. I, I've been talking to the wife. I, I believe we are going to be driving up to Kansas City for that one. <laughs> that's now, that's close enough. It's just a couple hours away. For the day. Like, I read the article the other day when they dropped the news. It's going to be within the next month or so. They start selling tickets. As soon as it fucking pops up, I'm trying to snag a couple for me and Vince. Hell yeah. yeah. That's going to be a hell of a that's, fucking time. Had to throw that one out there. Hard. case 
that will bring us to the point where as painful as it may be to admit sometimes it happens sometimes when you watch fights for as long as some of us have been watching fights you just kind of get set in your ways and especially when you're old farts like tj and i are you just kind of get blinders developed where you know what you know and you like what you like and that's what you watch and the bad part is that like we talked about a minute ago, there are always new up and coming fighters getting fed into this combat sports machine. And if you only look somewhere, you tend to miss everywhere else. And being old farts like we are a little bit, we miss a little bit of the new fighters coming up. But luckily for us, we happen to know some folks who keep real good track on those up and comers, those newer fighters, the folks you need to be paying attention to that just haven't made a name for themselves just yet. And we get to hear all about that in a segment that we get to refer to here as Slows, Cans, and Contenders. Take it away, sir. Uh, appreciate it. So, I mean, I'll let you, we talked about it earlier, this season of the Ultimate Fighter. I'd <clears throat> love to see it if they actually do it. The veterans, the second chance guys, and the up-and-comers, maybe some local guys like Nicholas Meck. I know he's fighting here again in February. He'd be a 7-0 and pro. It'd be something nice to Maybe throw him in the mix. Uh, I would just love to see some of our local guys get a chance if they're actually going to do some of that cross. Um, throw that out there. And then start off with like a recap from last weekend. We had uh, the Synergy Fight Night, I think, five. Uh, we had some of those amateurs we talked about last week. Sam Coronado was on the card. And Ray Hayes, you know, big you know, number one ranked in Kansas and Missouri, lightweight, moving up to the welterweight division to take on the number one ranked guy, you know, like a little amateur champ champ fight. Um, that didn't go as planned for Ray Hayes. To start with Sam Coronado, though, um, he was supposed to fight 4-0 prospect Jordan Krivka that we've seen before. Krivka had to pull out of the fight, so Coronado got a guy named Aaron Cole. 24 hours notice, he wound up winning a second-round submission. So Sam Coronado looked good again. He moves on to 5-2, and two, but wasn't the like tough matchup of the other prospect we were looking forward to. So don't know what to make of that. We'll, we'll see how it goes for Sam moving on. But Ray Hayes, the 9-0 and lightweight, number one ranked, like I said, here in Missouri and Kansas, moving up to fight Mason Pillow the number one ranked welterweight in Kansas and Missouri. Uh, Mason Pillow beat the holy shit out of Ray Hayes. Like, I, I was excited about Ray Hayes, but he's just a good grappler. I mean, that's the best thing the guy's got. Even though he 9-0 is an amateur, he went in there against a striker, got his ass beat. We saw some highlight replay. You might, anybody want to look it up? Look up the Mason Pillow Ray Hayes fight. You probably find it somewhere YouTube or something. Some highlights. Mason Pillow literally got him on the ground, got some elbows in, jumps back up, right? And I'm talking, gets up on the feet and then jumps, like leaps, right? Like you would Superman punch or whatever. Jumps to get that extra oomph and just pile driver elbows. And then hops up, jumps up again, pile driver elbows. Like, that's how bad Ray Hayes got his ass beat. I saw some crazy highlights I've never seen. So now I'm looking forward to Mason Pillow. He's become the new contender to look forward to. Uh, Ray Hayes, after the fact, said he tore his LCL at the beginning of the fight. So apparently, you know, he wasn't 100%. But still, 
when it came to a striker moving up weight class, got his ass beat. So the local guys on the amateur level, it's questionable. Sam Coronado didn't get to fight the other big prospect. Ray Hayes got his ass beat. So now we'll be looking at Mason Pillow in the future. That dude is something. Like, if you see the fucking highlights of that fight, that was crazy. Him just the pile driver elbows, one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Didn't even know that was possible. I mean, it is legal, right? Like, there's nothing illegal about it. It's not a 12 to 6 or whatever. I've never seen anybody fucking do it. Technically speaking, it is an illegal throw. That is 100% legal. The way that it's done, it's just one of those we don't see very often. To say the yeah, least. It was great. <laughs> it was great seeing that highlight. I like Ray Hayes, but man, I like Mason Pillow even better. That was fantastic. So I had to throw that. So then, me and Vince, we'll give our Kansas contenders for the week. Off of this card, we're getting this weekend. Going down under. Going to Perth, Australia. So start with the Cans. I'll give mine, let Vincent give his, and we'll do the contenders. And on the can side of things, I got Don Shane. This is one of my cans I'm looking at this weekend. He just got beat down. He went against Sadiq Yusuf for his debut. That's a tough go to start with 30 seconds. I mean, the fight was over before he even started. I just think the level of competition is too much for Don Shane. He's fighting another guy debuting, Jack Jenkins, but I, I think Jenkins is a little bit more of a prospect, has some good potential with the finishes. This might be tough for Sheamus on the second fight. And then I got uh, Francisco Prada. This kid, he looks good on paper. 20-year-old, 11-0, and 0, all 11 fights come by finish. But his past handful of fights, he's been fighting for the Samurai Fighting Championship. Uh, promotion none of us have ever heard of. He's been fighting not just that, guys that are 0-1, 0-0, just absolutely no experience. So the finishes have been coming, but he hasn't fought anybody. You got to fight who they put in front of you, but it's, I'm going to throw that out there as a can. He's fighting Jamie Malarkey. That's going to be tough as hell for him. The experience level is going to show. And it, he's just not ready for that level. So I'm throwing him in the can. And then Justin Topper. Yeah, I mean, I think Paco Porta is going to fucking get it done. You know, throw the Boston out there. You know, that again, that experience level is going to show. Only eight fights for Justin Toffa. He's been kind of back and forth, two and three, since he's been in the UFC. And for the heavyweight aspect, I just don't think, you know, he's UFC level. Paco Porta, you know, he's kind of, he's just that fun fighter. There's nothing special about him, but he's he's going to make it a fun one this weekend. So, you got any cans for us, Vince? Well, the first can I see when I look at this card is Elise Reed. I don't like seeing her on, on a card. <laughs> I like the readers. <laughs> Absolutely agree with that call right away. Thumbs up right the fuck out of the gate. <laughs> it's not anything personal. It's just she's not entertaining. Oh, it doesn't have to be personal. We respect all of them. They made yeah. it to the point they're at. But, you know, you, you can say it. that They're not a good fighter. and They maybe shouldn't be there anymore. <laughs> the biggest can, if you were. I don't see anybody else really as a can unless you count. Well, not really. Prado's not a can. He's just fought a lot of guys that don't have much experience. I like that you kind of agree with me. 
Yeah, it just I don't like the. It's not just the Samurai FC that I saw, man. Digging deep into this kid's record, fighting nothing but O and O, O and one, one and one. Like, it's bad. He, all eleven finishes, but he's fought nothing. <laughs> all right, so contenders, I'll make it a little quick here. I got Jack Jenkins. I said it a little bit earlier. He's ten and two. He looked good on the contender series. He got that good finishing potential. and just seems like a fun personality. Um, so we'll throw him in the contenders. Uh, you got Jack Della Maddalena. He's already had a few fights in the UFC, but I'm still throwing him in the contender because he beats Randy Brown, especially the way he's entered in the UFC. First three fights end in the first round by a technical knockout. You do the same thing with Randy Brown. That should put him up in the top 15. Then he's a true contender. Yeah, I like Shannon Ross. You know, it's it's tough. Obviously, he uh, lost his fight on the contender series, but he was fighting through appendicitis. So we'll see what this. The fact that this guy's got some finishing ability, I think Cletson Rodriguez is somewhat interesting himself i'm just looking towards this fight so we'll see you know the tough ass motherfucker we saw shannon ross be you know he looked good in the first round of that fight he got finished in the second round but he was fighting through appendicitis that was, that was crazy so that's why he even got the chance you got any contender i would call him a contender i would think he's more of an underdog than a contender but he's got 11 submissions it's uh elvis Oliveira. I like seeing that many submissions on somebody's record, so I will consider him a contender again against Zubaira. Well, yeah, if he beats Zubaira, he could get a submission against a guy like Zubaira. Yeah, I'd consider him a contender too. <laughs> I'm all in favor of anybody who beats the shit out of fucking Zubair. Fuck Tugagov. That piece of shit's been a fucking scumbag since he jumped out of the fucking cage and went after the fucking Lord Arden back in the goddamn day. <laughs> well, I think that's it for us. You know, to finish it off, I like I like trying to do this. Either one of you guys, it doesn't have to. You don't have to give both. You got a can or a contender you guys are thinking about that maybe we didn't say. Let me pull the card up real quick here. I think you missed the can in Alonzo Menafield. That's true, Oh, my God. I think Cruz going to get his ass knocked out. <laughs> That was a good throw out there. Jesus Christ. Ah, there we go. That's what I thought. So I would probably say my can for this particular card is going to be Jamie Malarkey. It, I don't know. For, For a while there, he seemed like he was really on the fucking track to try and make a splash. And it's just like, 
where, where fuck you go? What, what, what are you doing? Like you ain't doing shit no more. I don't, I don't fucking care. Like you ain't winning, you ain't losing. You're sitting on the fucking sidelines in your quote unquote prime. So yeah, no, I, I would say that uh, malarkey would probably be my can, my contender though. And I'm extra fucking sad that RJ's bitch ass ain't here to help me fucking talk <laughs> about him. You son of a bitch. Melsic Bagdasari, and as RJ and I drunkenly refer to him as Milky Bag That Sharky Man. Uh, <laughs> one of the most exciting fucking prospects that I have seen the UFC sign and then forget about. Um, just a fucking tough as nails Armenian, well rounded fucking skill set. And I don't think we have seen him since last fall when he put on a fucking spectacular fight over in Abu Dhabi. So I am always excited to see Milk Dad bag that chucky man. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see him too. And then uh, Modestus Bukowskis getting yeah. his second chance. I'm excited to see how he does too. That's good shit. And that's it for us. That's it for the contenders this week. <laughs> Much appreciated, sir. Much appreciated. So that will bring us uh, to a point here where we have a segment that requires its own individual disclaimer. Now, you, you obviously saw the disclaimer, heard the disclaimer in the beginning of the show, otherwise you wouldn't be here yet, but this segment requires its own individual disclaimer. We have to start this segment legally by saying that tapology.com does not in any way, shape, or form support, endorse, or sponsor the I'm No Joe podcast. Yet. That being said, Tapology.com does offer an option for you to make a free account and make picks on fights just like we talk about here, so much so that we've created a group to do so called I'm No Bookie, all one word, or group 965, however you would like to look. The group is open to the public. You are more than welcome to invite, or excuse me, to uh, join the group. You are all invited. Join the group. It is public, open. Request gets put in. We approve them right away. Get in there. Make your picks head-to-head against us. We like to go over the interesting things that shake loose down the tapology tree in the picks and a little segment that we lovingly refer to as tapology with TJ. So after last week's fuckery, we're going to get right into the fuckery that was um, last week's card. Lewis, Spivak fight night. At the most random fucking time you could ever have a fight fucking take place in the U.S. Understandable if it would have been in, you know, say Korea, maybe. Doesn't make sense to have that same time slot in the U.S. When, you know, it's on ESPN fucking plus. There's literally a streaming service. There isn't a time slot problem there. I'm just saying. Anyhow, with all of the fuckery that came with that, that also came with some fuckery and fight picks. Um, Overall, our group did fairly well. And I say fairly well, because none of us batted below 500. However, there was only one of us who managed to hit eight of the 11 fights right. That beat the meter himself, taking home the W this week. 
What's crazy on this one is between second place and the trip over your dick award, there was only a 35 point difference. So it was, it was all about who got them perfects and semi perfects yeah. in there to get those in there. So, uh, without further ado on this, um, that wonderful award of tripping over your dick goes to directly to none other than Christian's brother, Benny. Absolutely tripped the fuck over it, took glass in the standings. It was an ugly showing, Benny. You know, I would have figured after the fight you put up last week in the pit, you would have had much better picks. What the fuck happened, son? Let's get better this week. You must do that. <laughs> yeah. He did homework. He did homework this week, so hopefully. <laughs> well, hopefully. Now, hopefully that doesn't cause me to fucking uh, put my foot in my mouth, being as I have to do this segment. So I'm always worried I'm going to say the wrong thing, the wrong motherfucker. They're going to take first. I'm going to trip over my shit. And it's bound to happen. That's just the way this game works. But yeah, so that was last week's. Now, that brings us into uh, this week's uh, UFC 284 taking place on Saturday at a fucking normal time slot in the U.S. And guess what? It's in fucking Australia. Wait a minute. How did that happen that they were so capable to be able to make sure the time slot was right? Well, And, and before we get to, uh, to Australia's card, uh, I would be remiss if I allowed you to forget one of the also more important things about last weekend's picks. You nailed the Bellator 290 pick for win. Oh, uh, I I don't cover those ones on here. We only cover the UFC ones. That's, but yes, that's what I, I said. did blast I, the I, I will give you credit because I thought I had those picks nailed down pretty good, and you blew my ass out of the water on that Bellator pick. So I will absolutely give credit where credit is due, even if you don't take it. I had a decent overall weekend. I did well in Bellator. Slightly behind in second place on the UFC card. Not bad overall, but you know, like I said, we don't talk about Bellator on here as far as the picks are concerned, because we're I, otherwise this segment will go on too fucking long. We we don't we don't need that. Don't don't get me wrong. If you guys want to fucking make picks for Bellator and shit like that, feel free. I don't always make Bellator picks. I really don't. It's one of the ones where I'm like, meh. But this week I thought with the shitty time slot, and I'm only going to be able to catch one card. I may as well fucking pick the Bellator fights and those ones, since I was able to watch it, it was a little more enjoyable to know that I had a little fucking uh, little um, dog in the fight there, you know? But um, that was saying this week, and like I said, USC 284, Makachev, Volkanovsky. Rest of the card doesn't fucking matter. It's kind of like whose line is it anyways. We're going to award points, but they really don't fucking matter at this point. Um... No, with that being said here, just to let everybody know, all of the odds pretty much are coin flips. The widest margin that we have on the card currently is the Cledson Rodriguez and Shannon Ross fight. Or Clyson, Jesus Christ, I sound like fucking Joey Diaz mispronouncing fucking names. Um, we've got Shannon Ross at a plus 270 and uh, Rodriguez at a minus 325. And actually, I was incorrect. I apologize. I read that incorrectly. That is not the widest gap. The widest gap is um, Jack Jenkins and Shanus. Shanus. 
Don Chanis's. Well, like I said, I'm Joey Diaz in fucking names tonight. Fuck it. Uh, so Jenkins minus three forty favorite. Don a plus two eighty underdog, and that also goes for my neighbor Don. You're a plus two eighty underdog this week as well, motherfucker. Love you, buddy. <laughs> Uh, no, so most everything else is coin flip to include the main event. They've got Volkanovsky, uh, which I, I can't say it's a it's a it's a big gap because it's not. It's a minus three eighty and a plus three ten, which to be honest, with those kind of odds, can be a um, coin flip. But they're, I think they're giving Makachev way too much credit and they're not giving enough credit to fucking Volk because, um, look, we've seen Volk in some really bad spots. Don't get me wrong. Going up 10 pounds is a big fucking deal. But that means he doesn't have to cut weight. He gets to just go in there willy-nilly, eat his fucking pasta and pizza all fucking week long while he trains his fucking ass off. Don't get me wrong. We know we know those Dagestanis apparently fucking wrestle on, or work out on Saturdays and train on Saturdays because you know they, they had to make sure they got that in the nice little fucking lead up this week. But um, yeah, everything else fifty fifties across the boards. So get in, make your picks. Um, go ch- go over like I said last week. I've been using Best Fight odds. They cover all of the different areas that you can make bets in. Namely, the two big ones I look at are the DraftKings and BetMGM because those are usually the two most prominent, pretty close to being right on most of the time. Now, that being said, this is a fight game, so anything can happen. Not any crazy outlandish picks like last week where you had the minus 1,700 uh, favorites, you know. So, see, get your picks in. Find out who trips over their dick next week. Uh, Vinny, it better not be you, goddammit. You can only do that one week in a row. After that, I start calling it your vagina, and then it's a bad problem. Uh, good shit. Good shit. Yeah, no, it's it's a hell of a week for picks. I was looking at that a little bit earlier today. I this I don't know that we've seen another card this year with the matchups, at least according to Las Vegas, being this coin pick fucking close like there's not really a whole lot of significant great edge and odds bets or any fucking fight on this card this week which is kind of surprising considering you're looking at some of the names on those fucking cards but it is what it is as they say so that will bring us to a point here where if you're only watching or excuse me, if you're only listening rather over on anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe, you might be remiss and not understand. But those of you who are watching on youtube.com slash I'm no Joe, whether you're catching this on a recap or you're here live, will know by the terrifying gift that has rolled across the screen that this is the point where the show loses its lighthearted haha feel and we get a little bit more sinister, where we take things from informative to competitive. This is the point where two men enter one man leave we open up the pit now i have to start this segment by saying to his credit vincent handled his loss last week like a fucking champion didn't bitch didn't gripe took it like a fucking pro chin up high but the crowds were not 
satiated. The thrush for blood is live. They want more. They didn't get enough. So once again, this week, to appease the masses, to entertain you loving few who watch our shit, we're bringing back brother against brother violence. So, gentlemen, once again, I welcome you to the pit. This week, however, the kid gloves are off. We are familiar. We're getting back in the swing of things. We're keeping shit real this week. This week, Vinny, you're heading us off. We let Christian show you the way last week. This week, we're having you take the take the reins, as it were. So, as we like to around here, we're going to start things off in every card we watch for the UFC no matter how much money they put behind advertisement, no matter how much ESPN gives little glibs of all the fun things that should happen, there is inevitably one fight that just does not get the love that it deserves. One fight that if that fight comes on and anyone in earshot of you isn't paying attention, you have no choice but to involuntarily yell, Hey, the fight that everyone needs to be watching on this card for you, Vinny. What is that one fight? Well, this is a easy choice for me. It's got to be the main event. I've been on Volk's side. I've been on Volk's side since he fought. And it was before Brian. Uh, help me refresh my memory here. Uh, before Brian, before Brian Volk, Volk fought. Things. I think that's when you is that when we I think that's when you fell in love with him. No, that's probably yeah, that was the first time I think I showed no, you fighting before that. Okay. Yeah, you you had that ultimate fighter season that involved that the, is the one and Brian Ortega so yeah, you know, it's it's the, times, but you like him. Uh, he's ah, uh, he's just too good, man. Markashev's the same exact way though. Yeah, he's like many could be. And I want to see that fight so bad that I want to skip the whole card just to see that one. The Koto main event before that is going to be a little bit of a snoozer, I think. Leave nothing that will. I could definitely agree with that. Uh, the fight before TCD and uh, Holloway was Aldo fight for the record, though. Which I agree was a great fucking fight for Volkanovski for damn sure. Uh, but that brings us back across the octagon, as it were. So, Christian, we come back to you, sir. On every card, there is inevitably a bunch that get all the love and then one that just doesn't get the shine it should be. One that, when it starts, you can't help. Your mouth involuntarily opens and you have to yell, Hey, Morgan! So that everyone around you comes to see that fight. This weekend, what's that fight for you, sir? All right, so... I feel like Vincent is right. I'll agree with him. We're all excited about that fight. We could maybe skip the whole card to get to it. But it's the low-hanging fruit, obviously. But the co-main event, he also said that complete trash shouldn't be there. So the only the, the second fight, maybe the same fight that TJ mentioned earlier, because he said he only really cares about two, right? So you'd think main event's one, and then this other one. People's main event, Jack Della Maddalena versus Randy Brown. I feel like 
this could be the fight of the night, aside from the main event, right? This is going to be fantastic. Like, Jack finally getting tested with getting Randy Brown, a guy that's had 14 fights in the UFC, has done pretty good through most of those, a guy that's got a lot of finishing ability. And then the biggest thing, he's tall, he's rangy, he's got the length. So it's going to be harder for Jack Della Maddalena to get in there, to work his jab, to put on the boxing like he's done in his first few matches. So we get to finally see that test. How good is Jack? And if he's as good as we think he is, and Randy Brown's as good as we think he is, they're both on point. This could be an all-out three-round war. And I think even people that aren't normally fans of MMA would love to see it. You know, the bloody slobber knocker. Me and Vince on our podcast, we do that little bet on blood pick, you know, which is going to be the bloodiest fight. I've got this fight this weekend. I think this could be the bloodiest fight. Uh, this is shaping up to be one of the most exciting. And then I'd rather see Jack kind of show us that. He's shown us the finishing ability. You go up against a veteran with a ton of experience and also that challenge in the length and range and just go through a war with him and come out on top. So I'm excited for it. Interesting. Interesting indeed. I could definitely see both sides here. Uh, despite Dana White talking out his fucking ass, they have not promoted this fucking main event in the least. I have, I shit you not, I have seen double, if not triple, the amount of posts from the UFC's social media about fucking power slap in the last yep. week that I have about the fucking next potential, third potential champ, champ status in the fucking UFC. So uh, regardless of That's who is involved in the fight, because they really yeah, have not mentioned the Jack versus Randy Brown fight, but that's the only yeah. other one that's exciting. I, well, I, aside from the that's what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> the, fact, the fact that we have a champ champ status on the line here this weekend and Dana White has spent more time talking about fucking power slap than a potential champ champ situation is a bit ridiculous. And I completely agree. The fact that we are going into Australia and JDM is getting virtually no love from the fucking press boggles my goddamn mind. Everybody and their fucking brother who is in Perth already is drooling all over Jimmy Crute's nuts right now and Robert Whitaker's feet, despite him not even being on the goddamn card. And it seems like nobody's given JDM any love either. I, I completely agree with you there. What do you think, Alti? I think the UFC as a whole tripped over their dick. Like, to be honest, they deserve the biggest trip over your dick award of all of them. Sorry, Vinny, you took second place again on that one. Because <laughs> fucking UFC and they're tripping over their dick and not. I have yet to see one fucking ad on the UFC's page for this. All I see is power slap this, power slap that. Power suck a dick. I don't tune into the UFC's page for Slap Fight. Make a separate account for those motherfuckers because I'll never follow it and I won't have to see it. But yeah, both of your picks, fucking right on. However, I think you both missed it as a whole when you could have just said the entire fucking card because they're fucking promoting Power Slap. So, you know, you guys missed the load a little wide left, but still good picks either way. <laughs> Hopefully your kicker's better on Sunday. <laughs> right? No, I, I agree. Both both good points here, but I, I will say, if nothing else, then the fact that his picture is on the fucking marquee uh, 
the the main event is getting a little bit more love here. I do agree with both answers, but I think just on posterity's sake, we have to give credit to the JDM answer here. So point for round one goes to Slovig. So that being said, that'll bring us to round two. Flip the proverbial coin, as it were. Christian, you'll take this one first here. Now, if we've got one fight on every card that doesn't get the love, there is inevitably, according to the law of equals, got to be one fight on every card that just gets oversold beyond fucking belief. The one that we like to refer to as the time to refresh your drinks, take a dab, and possibly a shit if you need to. Um, which fight on this upcoming Perth card are you going to use as an opportunity to top your beverage, take a token, maybe just stretch damn legs a little bit? Well, you know, just to appease golfy, I'll say the entire early prelims and preliminary card. You just wait till the main event. You just enjoy your entire fucking day, your entire fucking night. Take as many shits and pisses as you want. Beat off a couple times, you know. Get as many dabs in as you need because there's no point. Even the hardcore fans, there's no point. Don't waste your time. Like I said, rub one out. Enjoy your day. Um, but if we're going to give a specific one, I'm going to go the uh, Shane Young and Blake Builder fight. This is an absolute what the fuck to me. I... Um, I'm okay with Dana White giving Builder a contract to an extent, but he is a 32-year-old that's only had eight fights in his career. Um, so I don't know what you make of this. And Shane Young, obviously, just middle-of-the-pack guy. There's not anything special. And this um, It's towards the beginning of the card. So if you actually, for whatever reason, want to watch some of the fights, it's one of the beginning fights. I think it's the second one on. Uh, so, yeah, maybe those first couple miss it, but the Blake Builder and Shane Young and me is a real big what the fuck out of prospects and guys coming off the contender series. And the Blake Builder contract was a what the fuck with last year, kind of like Jamal Pogues. But, uh, yeah, like I said, you can just skip the whole prelims. Just rub one out. I can definitely understand that. So that'll bring us back across the octagon, as it were, over to Vinny here. So Vinny, on every card, if we've got one that everybody talks about, there is obviously one, or excuse me, one that nobody talks about, then we're, there inevitably comes the one that everybody starts fucking yammering about, and it doesn't deserve the fucking chatter that it gets. So for you, sir, which one are you just going to flip the old PS on, fire up a couple of games, and kill some fucking time instead of watching that bullshit? Well, for me, it's got to be... The uh, uh, Lobo Lukbunmi versus Elise Reed fight. I don't personally know who Lukbunmi is. Or Lukbuk? Lukbun, Lukbun, yes. <laughs> I don't know who she is. It's six decision wins, only one knockout, which gives her a 14% chance to knock out Elise Reed, who's been knocked out twice. So that's a, it's a good chance. He's saying there's a chance that I could see Elise Reed get knocked out. Or it could be the worst fight. And it's probably going to be the worst fight. <laughs> Snooze fest. I'm going to take a break from watching this event during this fight. <laughs> I can definitely, definitely understand that as well. Um, I will say the 
I, I agree. The whole fucking early prelim card is just a waste of goddamn time for damn sure. Um, Blake Builder getting that fucking contract at 32 with almost no relevant fucking experience is a little fucking ridiculous. Um, but that's kind of par for the course on either young and stupid or old and fucking desperate as far as the contender series has been going lately, in my opinion here. On the other side, though, Loma Lookboonby is another one of those chicks that came in and had all the fucking hype in the world and then just turned into a fucking decision machine. Like, there's more than enough of those on the UFC ladies' side of the house. We don't need more decision machines. And Elise Reed, fuck's sake, man. Like, how said you'd Kakramanov gets cut at two and one and Elise Reed is still here, period? boggles my fucking mind i don't get it she doesn't fucking belong in the ufc i have seen paint drying on a wall with more excitement factor than her entire fucking resume for christ's sake um i agree the 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 whole fucking earlies are are shit but uh man that that at least read fight yeah use it to stock your drinks and make sure your feet are propped up comfortably. And if your balls itch, go rub one out. Like I, I absolutely give point here to uh Vin on this one. That, that fight is fucking wasted on this card and really any card, send them back to the fucking locals. <sighs> what a waste of a fucking fight. <laughs> they could have put some fun locals. They could have put some fun fucking Australians in that spot for crying out loud. But that being said, uh, that'll bring us to round three here. So round three, we'll bring it back over to Vinny to kick us off. As we do around here, inevitably, the top two fights on the card are what the vast majority of people will see one way or another here. So in this particular down under situation, like I titled the show, the fate of the featherweight division is quite literally at stake here because in the main event we have the featherweight champion fighting at lightweight and while he's doing so the co-main event is an interim featherweight title fight to light that fire behind him to make him make a decision no matter how this fight shakes loose so yair rodriguez versus josh emmett for the featherweight interim belt as the co-main event leading into volkanovsky versus makachev so Vinny, how do you see this co-main event with interim title stakes shaking out for us? I like it. I really want to see this go the distance in a, in a good way, not in a bad way. Both fighters have a tendency to do that. Um, and... Yeah, here I believe I believe yeah, is due for some more recognition. I don't personally like Josh Emmett too much. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Well, that'll bring us back over across the octagon, as it were, to you, Christian. So in this Interim title spot co-main event. Featherweight fuckery afoot all the fucking way around. How do you think this one shakes loose for a Saturday evening, sir? Well, I mean, 
I like Vincent's optimism with it, but I think it's going to be a snooze fest. That's what's funny. He actually mentioned that earlier. He himself said it, it might be a snooze fest, and then he's changing his mind on it now, saying he's excited for it. That is confusing me. I, I absolutely do. I agree with him. I can't stand Josh here. I think this guy is just a kind of wrestling boxer, and he's way too old. He's, what, 38? So, I mean, just for making a title run, I just don't see it. Yair Rodriguez, he can be exciting sometimes, but he can also get his ass whooped, like in the sense of, you know, Calvin Cater or, you know, Max Holloway. He's just, Yair's kind of iffy. And we don't know how that fight with Brian would have gone, you know, Brian getting his shoulder torn up. It is what it is. Uh, I don't like seeing guys get title shots off injuries either. Um, if this goes how I think it's going to go, it's going to go five rounds. It's going to be kind of a boring decision where both guys are just really tentative and don't really go out there and show their best performance. And it's going to be a sad sight to see. I'm looking forward to April 15th, man. If Arnold Allen goes out there and does something crazy against Max Holloway or gets the first ever finish of Max Holloway, you know, he goes out there, puts Max out. You got to say, fuck this interim bullshit, especially if it is boring like I'm thinking it's going to be. You got to give Arnold Allen a shot. I think Arnold Allen should be in there anyways. It should have been Arnold Allen and Yair. But I know Arnold had some uh, health issues. You know, he, he couldn't even fight in London here because of his ribs and shit. So they pushed him to April. Everything is what it is, but I think it'll work itself out. This fight's going to be boring and somebody else will slide in because... It's going to be such a boring-ass fight. Dana's just going to say, fuck me in and shit, like he did with the uh, end of the year, the Jan Blachowicz and Magomed fight. No, I, I do agree with that, absolutely. I feel like this is very much like the featherweight version of Blachowicz and Goliath. Like, this has got that potential to just be like, why are we fucking doing this, guys? Like... I, I, I agree with both of you. I don't think this fight's going to be terribly exciting. I feel like it's going to go five rounds. Um, I, I'm i in a weird position here because I don't really care for either one of these guys. I I think Yair is legitimately built his entire career off the flukiest fluke that has ever goddamn fluked in that bullshit 459 fucking haymaker elbow against fucking zombie and i think it's a disrespect to chen sung jung how often they show that bullshit fucking shot on the replay uh but at the same time every time i see josh emmett i just see him getting fucking flatlined by gregor gillespie like in my head i see him getting fucking stiff as a board and fucking laid out like now i i will say to his credit there is a new mythical fighter unlocked. Uh, Bearded Josh Emmett is allegedly a very different character than the normal Josh Emmett that we have seen. So there is that potential. But even then, that's not really enough to get me excited about this goddamn fight either way. Um, but I don't know, man. What do you think, Alfie? <sighs> yeah. Look, that I'm on board with you on fucking not liking Yair Rodriguez. I'll go as far as to say, fuck that guy. <laughs> and it's not that he's a terrible person, because every fucking interview I've right. ever seen him in, he's a genuinely nice person. 
Right. But he has built his entire fucking legacy off of that last ditch effort to save his ass. Which he's better at getting his ass beat and he got lucky that one time. Credit where credit is due. That was some of the most fucking crazy instant thought out in the heat of the moment throw that I've ever seen. But that's what's kept his career in the trajectory. It's gone now. Now, on the other side of that, when you're looking across over at Josh Emmett, Josh Emmett has been kind of fucking, he's like a wild fucking, he's a wild card is what I'll call Josh Emmett. Because he's either absolutely going to destroy somebody or he's getting absolutely destroyed. There's no middle ground with him. So, yeah, there's a potential for fucking craziness in this. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I think it's just going to be your run-of-the-mill fucking featherweight fight. The only thing that makes that worth watching and at all interesting is because it's for an interim title for who's going to end up fucking fighting Volk next once he comes back from this fucking fight this weekend, but that's the only thing that makes it interesting. Other than that, eh, I give two shits. Which, if Arnold Allen does what he does, you know, may do, it means nothing. Yeah, That yeah, means absolutely fucking nothing. Because <laughs> all of I us agree. fans are going to be clamoring for Arnold Allen to get the title. Right. Shit. Yeah, I think that's that's what everybody's pretty much looking past this to that already. <laughs> He's got the giant um, win streak. He's he's shown them that he's just better. So, I, I agree. Um, I I think for the the sake of argument here, and and for the 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 skin of it that we've got to cut down to, we're gonna go ahead and give the point for round three here to Christian. Slow bake gets round three. So. That'll bring us into round four. Flipping things back around, as it were. Christian, you will get this one first. And despite the ridiculousness that we just had to fucking talk about in the form of that fucking interim co-main event, the main event in this card does genuinely have multi-divisional ramifications going forward. Islam Makachev, the newly crowned 155-pound champion, taking on Alexander Volkanovsky, the arguably best reigning featherweight we have seen in a long time trying to take on the mantle of the next ufc champ champ dual belt holder status how do you think this one plays out sir well i mean how i think it plays out is hard to try to predict this is like what tj mentioned earlier on the tapology segment this is a skewed betting line like they've got Volkanovski as a huge underdog, but this is the one fight on the card that should be the literal 50-50 because it's so hard to tell. Islam hasn't fought the kind of guys that Volkanovski's fought, even if Volk is going up a weight class. It's just the truth. Islam dominated Charles, but Charles was really the first guy that Islam had really fought that was like, you would say, high class, a real true contender. Um, Dan Hooker, pretty good. Bobby Green, we like him. He's a fun guy, but Volkanovski, 22 fight winning streak compared to Islam's 11 fight winning streak. He's literally doubled 
they both only have the one loss. Like this fight in general, the stature of it is fantastic. It is a champion versus champion. Both of them have only lost one fight. They have over 20 wins. They have huge winning streaks. It's unbelievably exciting. I think Volkanovski has a serious chance more than a lot of people think. I've doubted him in a lot of fights that he's had at featherweight. I'm not going to doubt him in this one. I think the experience factor, he's been in a lot of tough spots, really help him out. If he can avoid the takedowns, have good takedown defense, or if he gets taken down, get back up. I feel like Volk's got a damn good chance. He's just so much better on the feet. He pieces him up. Islam can't control him on the ground. Champ, champ, you know, similar to Connor, but they're already setting it up. You know, they got Connor and Chandler coaching tough, and they're going to fight later this year. If they fight like September, Volk goes back this summer to defend a featherweight title against whoever. Then they're going to set that up at the end of the year. Connor beats Chandler, and it'll be Connor and Volk for Volk's first lightweight defense. And three fights in the year, three championship fights. So you win, champ, champ. You go defend your featherweight belt in the summer, and then you go fight Connor at the end of the year. That'd be insane. And then, I mean, that's putting him up in greatest of all time stature. So I know what I'm rooting for. I know what I want. I want to see Volkanovski <laughs> get the win. I feel like. It's got a huge chance to be a five-round war more than people see a finish. Because I don't think Volk has that finishing power. I don't see him finishing Islam. But on paper, you Indeed. see Islam, see Islam just suffocating him, right? But I, I, I feel like we'll see a war. I'm excited I think there's a damn good possibility. I think he could be onto something there. But that brings us back across the octagon, as it were, here. Vin Dog to Booty Hog, round four. The main event of the evening. Islam Makachev's first title defense at 155 pounds comes against the 145-pound champion, oddly enough, because UFC is going to do what the UFC is going to do. So in this crazy potential champ champ rumble in Volkanovsky's backyard of all places. How do you think this main event shakes loose for us, sir? Well, I believe that Volk will win for a number of reasons. <coughs> the first reason that I can't stop thinking about was that he used to play rugby at 200 pounds. So yeah, the weight difference is nothing for him and he won't really need to cut weight. He'll be on a good uh, he'll be on a good uh, good run for the week. He needs a 100% takedown offense from Makashev, I think, to, to win. Uh, he might get, if he gets caught in anything like Brian had him in, he's, it's, yeah, I see he's done for. But how hard he's been training also says different to that. He puts himself in tough spots. He puts himself, yeah, he puts himself in tough spots on purpose to become stronger in the first place. But no, I I am absolutely inclined to agree with you there. Um, and I've got to say, actually, 
while Christian was answering, I had to fucking pull it up because he had mentioned it again on embedded that he used to play rugby at 189 kilograms. And I never got to that level of drug dealing here in America. So I don't know that high a level of conversion. So I had to look it up. That's 196.2 pounds. Like if you used to play rugby at 200 pounds and you can watch the videos, that motherfucker was a tiny tank playing fucking rugby. He was the juggernaut bitch. Like when he went, you didn't stop him. And if he was doing that at 200 fucking pounds with no issue and he's done what he's done up until now at 145 pounds, I think him taking that extra 10 pounds off is literally like Goku taking off the fucking weighted vest, dude. Like this isn't him going to a new division. This is Jim, just him restraining himself less and letting his actual ability shine through a little more. And I think Islam is in for a world of fucking trouble here. Like I acknowledge that Islam is, is absolutely a great fucking fighter. And he showed that in that fucking fight against Oliveira, but even then, I think that was a stylistic advantage for him in the way that he matched up against Charles. And he does not have that advantage in this matchup against Volkanovski, man. Um, I, I think there is a real good chance we might see Volkanovski lay Islam the fuck out in the middle of the ring. I, I think it's not going to be a 30 seconds into the match thing. I think if it happens, it's going to be like late round three, early round four, when they're both really starting to feel it. But Islam has never fought a dude the likes of Alexander Volkanovsky. Pretty much everyone Islam has fought in the UFC up until this point has been guys of a similar size and build and style to Islam and then to a lesser degree to Charles. Alex is like, despite him being featherweight, he's not that dude. Like if he would have been in lightweight this whole time, I think we'd be having a very different conversation about the whole always overlooked Volkanovsky thing. Um, I think Islam's going to make it a tough fight, but I, I think we see a double champ this weekend. I really do. Um, I, I've got no choice but, you know, citing the math that I was literally looking up at the time, I've got to give the point for round four here to Vincent. And if you guys are following along at home and you can math, you know that that means we are all tied up two to two and we now go to the sudden death overtime winner take all round. So if you've been following the show, you know that round five has nothing to fucking do with the card we are talking about this weekend. And Vinny, I let you pick last weekend. So only being fair, Christian, I'm going to give you the option this weekend. The post-it notes of fate. Or what's behind door number two. Well, I i mean, I was interested last week in what the fuck was behind door number two. Vincent didn't want to check. So what the fuck's behind door number two? <laughs> All right. All right. You can, as you can tell by the, the fist pumping already, door number two was golf tees mystery question here. <laughs> and I think this is probably one of the most fitting situations, especially seeing as how we are now on the rematch, the run back of the brother versus brother Thunderdome matchup here in the pit. So, Christian, we'll start it off with you here, sir. In your opinion, the best pair of siblings in MMA.
like currently or all time all time it's not it's not it's not something that happens all the time and it's not generally something there are a lot of at the same time but there have been several throughout the years and there are a couple that are going right now so okay so i'll give some honorable mentions that are currently going i like the basharat brothers i like the bonfim brothers looking out for them but i think if we're looking at like an all-time this is fucking easy in the aspect of brothers right this is the diaz brothers Nick and fucking Nate both should be Hall of Famers, both the fucking legends. Yeah, neither one of them ever won a title. And they both would probably love to constantly be, you know, anybody that'd like to tell them differently, they bitch and complain up and down that they've just been fucked over is somewhat maybe for the both of them. But they're not the greatest fighters in the world, but they damn sure fun, exciting put on some of the greatest MMA fights that we've ever seen with the both of them. You know, the Nate Diaz beating Conor McGregor was one of the hugest moments ever. You have Nick, the older brother, and Anderson Silva, and some of the other fun fights that he's been in. They're just both fucking legends. That that just seems easy for me. If you're going to look at, like, brothers, you know, you got to give honorable mentions to. We got some decent pairings going on now, but, man. Gotta give it to the Diaz brothers, right? You also Good got answer. the Usman. You got the Usman brothers too. I, I just remembered that, but you know, we don't know how Mo, we don't know how Mo will turn out. You know, both of the Diaz right. brothers are already legends. So, good answer. Always, always solid to go with the two hundred nine. You know, damn well everybody in the world knows them fucking Diaz boys for good reason. Good answer. So, that'll bring us across the octagon back to you here, Vinny. The best combat sports siblings, in your opinion, please. The only ones I knew were the Diaz brothers. Until he reminded me of Barshad and Bonfim brothers. <laughs> so I'd have to go with the Diaz brothers just based on my own knowledge. And I honestly don't know any other brothers or siblings regardless well, in any remind, combat sport. It reminded me of the Usman brothers too. But, yeah, that one, that one went over my head because I didn't remember that Moe's in the UFC now. <laughs> should be, <laughs> should be. Nobody else remembered him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Being as I, I have to take the reins on this one. I, I'm sorry, Mita, I got to take the reins out of your hand on this one for a moment. You're good, you're good. I know you all have at it. When I thought of this question, I thought it was perfectly suited for you two beating the hell out of each other. You missed some all-time greats. Big Nog, Little Nog. (laughs) Frank and Ken Shamrock. Joe and Dan Lozon. Uh, Fuck, who else was in there? Um, You've got both of the Pettis brothers who have both legitimately done great things in the sport. Uh, Fuck, um... Junior Sunchao and Rafael Sunchao. Another great set of fucking pairings. Come on, boys. Where were you at? You would figure. Uh, Another former champ, Matt Sarah. I just gave my my personal best and favorite, you know? There's there's a Jake. On the the spot, I couldn't remember Shamrock, you know? Shamrock Shamrock was one of the first ones that came to my mind as well. But the one that stood out to me the most that I can't believe neither one of you caught, 
almost low-hanging fruit, but I would have allowed it considering that I did bring it up earlier in the episode. Jim and Dan Miller, the fucking <laughs> Miller brothers, helped establish the goddamn UFC. The Shamrocks were right up there with me for sure, considering that Frank was there to see Fedor off last weekend. But you know, yeah, one the other, Miller brothers just embedded in my head. Set of brothers that helped set off the UFC. That's that's the only Matt downside. Ben definitely didn't, wouldn't have right. known a lot of those, like you guys mentioned, just because I'm the one that watched when we were oh, right. Ben, Ben, Ben's only watched since we were what in high school and shit. So <laughs> fair enough. Nah, fair enough. It's it, good point. Good point. But so it, Ben, Ben literally, of... like you said, he gave his best answer. He only knew the Diaz brothers. <laughs> As I said, absolute credit for honesty. Honesty will get you further than anything around here. We make a point, regardless of how you feel about somebody. Credit where credit is fucking due. So honesty will absolutely get you credit around here. But in light of the, the situation here, we've got to give the point. And then subsequently, the round in the match to the brother Christian Slobig, you have pulled off the twofer and secured yourself as the dominant MMA knowledge brother of the household. We'll print you off a certificate and make sure our people get it to your people. <laughs> Just like whose line ends is anyways. Questions are made up and the points don't matter. That's right. That's right. Um, just because thanks, of boys, sitting in the bed and forgetting some of those older fucking you know legends, other than the Diaz brothers, I feel yeah. like you could do Ho Choi me. We're fucking. Yeah. We're I gave old. an illegal headbutt that winds up in a draw. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was fucking was furious so about that last weekend, and I I will say. That's been one of the few times recently where Dana actually came out in a post-fight press conference and said, no, 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 that's bullshit. And that's such bullshit. I'm giving that motherfucker his win money anyhow. So apparently he paid Duho Choi his fucking win money after that bullshit headbutt call by Mark Tyone, which was fucking ridiculous and had my blood, as you can tell, boiling when it fucking happened. Yeah, good on fucking Duho and good on Dana for doing something right in this fucking ocean of fuck-ups. But uh, thank both of you boys for your time. Always appreciated we can have you gentlemen on here. Vinny, as always, you are welcome back whenever you get the opportunity. Much appreciated. Uh, that being said, that is all we've got for this particular episode. If you like what we get up to around here, youtube.com slash I'm no Joe every Thursday night that there is an event over that weekend at 9:30 ish central time. We will start a show here live to bring you all the goodness you need to know about that show will subsequently flip over into the all audio version anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe the following week because YouTube doesn't like to play consistently anymore. Apparently uh, that being said, if you would like to support what we get up to around here, Patreon.com slash I'm no Joe is the best way to do that for as little as a dollar a month. You get your name at the end of every single broadcast we do on this channel. As a thank you, you get access to behind the scenes, unaired and literally unairable content, things that only fans wouldn't let us post. And they sponsor bare knuckle boxing these days. So you just take that as you will. That being said, if you like what we get up to, Please make sure you give a thumbs up on any platform you are consuming this. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure you are subscribed and your notifications are turned on. On the other side, if you don't like what we get up to around here, first and foremost, what the fuck are you doing this deep into a podcast you didn't like? Give us a thumbs down and then go fuck yourself. We're not even going to dispute it. But this is not 
the end. Just because the show is wrapping up doesn't mean things are over. Tomorrow and every Friday morning over on Spreaker.com slash Slow Bacon Contemplate, you can catch those guys' podcast oh, over there. Those guys podcast Slow Bake and Contemplates every Friday morning, bringing you all things to get your brain functioning and give you a little bit more MMA that maybe we might have even missed here. So Spreaker.com slash Slow Bake and Contemplate, uh, the Hashbowl Brothers and Slow Bake 420. All the links for those fine gentlemen will be down in the description as well. Thank you very much. Much appreciated for your time, gentlemen. Appreciate you guys as well. Keep it on fucking going every week, every Wednesday night, around the same time that we do this show here. You know, the brother TJ, Golf T Vapes. Check out his YouTube channel. Same name, Golf T Vapes. Yeah, the Foggy Fairway. You know, if you want to check out some recipes, if you, if you vape yourself, if you just want to chill, have a good fucking time. Tune in around 9.30 Wednesday night. Just check out the brother socials, Golf T Babes, make sure to show them some love. I always appreciate you guys. It was a hell of a fun time watching you two go at it again. Enjoy it. We got to do this more often. I like intra-sibling violence. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, On that note, if you want to see more of what the meter gets up to, because the meter does do many things, um, you can go right down below in the description. Click on Linktree slash the meter does many things, and that will show you all of the things that meter does. Again, that's Linktree slash the meter does many things. Back to back two weeks in a row, no.com. Fuck you, I'm out. Yeah, much appreciated, sir. Much appreciated. So, with that being said, that is actually all we've got for this particular episode. If you like what we get up to around here, go back to the library. We have not missed a major event for UFC, Bellator, any major combat sports event in over five years now. Go back, peruse the library, share an episode with a friend, help us grow the damn thing. We enjoy what we're doing. We hope you do too. That being said, that's all we've got for this particular episode. So until next time, boys and girls, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless it's Kevin Lee not getting signed again, apparently.